Well, hey everyone, Sats here. Welcome back to our series, uh, Let's Talk About Sex. And uh, you might be wondering, uh, what's going on? Why are we talking about sex? I thought this was a church. Well, hey, look, uh, in my experience, uh, when the church is reluctant to talk about certain topics or issues, uh, you're gonna find that whatever the dominant voice in the culture is, that will be the voice that shapes the perspective and the, the thoughts of uh, how we approach that topic. It turns out the Bible has loads to say about marriage, about relationships, about sex. And, uh, you know, and yet if we were to ask somebody, what does the Bible teach us about sex? They'd probably just say like, don't do it or something like that. And yet there is so much more of a rich story of God's design and the wonder. And, and actually, you know, we're going to find that the perspective of God on sex is, is, is not outdated. It's not old school. It's not, it's, it's actually incredibly freeing. It's actually incredibly healthy. It's reasonable and it's very positive. And so we need to understand for ourselves so that we have a healthy perspective on sex as a church, but also so you can feel confident living your life in 2022 um, that God's actually pretty smart. <laughs> He's the greatest mind <laughs> of all time. And uh, so uh, let me encourage you to go check out week one, week two. We've been talking about worldview, um, you know, our perspective on how we arrive at uh, uh, how we interact with life. If we believe that we are a product of evolution, um, then we're gonna believe that, um, you know, we're a product of random mutations and we're here as a coincidence, a happy coincidence. And now that we're here, we might as well get on and just enjoy ourselves. So sex is just something that is for fun. Um, and yet, if we believe, of course, that we are created by God and uh, we're made in his image and that sex is a gift from God to human beings, then that is gonna maybe add some uh, context to how we understand what sex is and what's the context and framework um, for where it should live. Uh, week two, we also just, just really uh, delved into just a really positive perspective on sex and marriage. So um, I'd love you to check those out. that will be really helpful um, for you. But today we're talking in week three about queer theory. And I want to read you a passage of scripture. It's quite long, actually. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, which really for me is the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking into the human experience. And for me, this is such a great articulation of something that we all feel. So I want to I go there, um, first of all. So here we go. Uh, if you've got a Bible reading plan, this don't worry. This is going to sort you out for, for like the next week. So uh, here we go. There's loads of scripture. So let's tune in. So chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we've Pronounce disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's, that's wild, isn't it? Uh, for, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said that light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed and not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body, check this out, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always been given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life 
in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Chapter 5, we're still going. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we grow grown longing to put on a heavenly dwelling if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked for while we are still in this tent we groan being burdened not that we would be unclothed but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life he who has prepared us for this very thing is god who has given us the spirit as a guarantee so we are always of good courage We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or or evil. Uh, wow, what a great passage of scripture. I really encourage you to reread that later as well. There's plenty there. But for me, what I love about this is Paul is describing um, something that we all feel as human beings. And that is this, this, this sense of disconnection right now. The sense of incompletion. I love that analogy there of, of the sense of the tent. It's like we're like in a tent and it feels like we're meant for for greater. We have this hope in our future that one day we're going to be further clothed is how he describes it. And yet here we are in, in the present with this sense of almost like frustration. We're living uh, with the death of Christ and it is producing life in us. But there is just this tension and this tension is kind of uh, just just, I guess, described in the sense of now, but not yet. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, came and died on a cross to take on the sins of the world, the punishment of sin, the brokenness in the world that has been created in part by us and by everyone. Um, We are responsible for the brokenness in the world. And and so as a result, the punishment for sin is death because sin must be done away with so that the world can be redeemed. And so Jesus takes on the punishment gives us forgiveness from our sins that we can freely receive as a gift and, and begins this process of redemption, not just of us, but of all of creation. And this is what the tension that we kind of live in now, because even though when we are saved, right in our spirit is a regeneration of our spirit. The Bible says that when we were dead in our sins, um, Christ died for us. So even at our lowest point, this is the point that God looked at you and I and said, I, I give you my life. Not when we had anything to offer, not when we were in you know, the highlights of our life, but in the lowest point, this is the love of God for you and I. And so in that moment, we find that the spirit on the inside of us, it comes alive. But the reality is, is that until that final day when Jesus comes back and it's almost like the total fulfillment of everything that has already taken place, uh, 
all things are put under his feet. Every knee will bow. Right now, they, they kind of got a choice, right? <laughs> but it's already taken place. The deal has already been done. Sin has already been defeated. Death has already been defeated. But now we're in this process of redemption that, that God wants to see as many people as possible have the opportunity to know him. And also, in part, I feel like, I kind of, I feel like God's vision for us as human beings was always that we would co-rule with him. So God has always wanted to include us in this redemption process because we're kind of like fixing the mess that we created, right? You know, when your kids mess up something in home, you don't just tidy it up for them. You're like, come on, you're going to help me. You might not be able to do it on your own, but I'll do the heavy lifting, like dying on a cross and dealing with the issue of sin and, and, and things like that. But you're going to help me uh, fi- finish this thing. And so uh, we live in this tension of between now where we have received everything, where we live in faith, not by sight and we have this hope of of a heavenly home and yet we're not quite there yet and so Paul is describing this human experience and describing some of the intricacies of it and every single one of us knows what he talks about when it feels like there's something wrong in the world you don't have to be a Christian to have that feeling something's missing there's a there's a disconnect and in heaven this is a hope this is the good news is that one day there, there will be no more pain There will be no more suffering. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more sickness. We will be further clothed. We will move from tent to home and and experience the resurrection body. When Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected in a new body. The Christian faith is the most practical, uh, physical sort of faith. Don't don't think that God is not interested in the practical or the tangible. Jesus was resurrected in a tangible body, but he kind of had some like superpowers, right? It was like he could just walk through walls and then he was there. He could still eat and just kind of appeared amongst them. And uh, one time he's talking to the disciples and they don't recognize him. So there's got qualities. It's hard for us to understand understand what it will be like but 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 it's humanity 2.0 your body 2.0 it's gonna be it's gonna be great and so this is the hope that we live in a world without sin a body without sin creation without sin and it's gonna be awesome but we live today (laughs) so we live in this this feeling and this disconnect and this disconnect is what prompts our culture to try and find an answer Try and find, how do we escape from this pain? How do we disconnect? And we know that the Bible tells us here that, that for unbelievers, the God of this world, which is the devil, has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So it's like without the spiritual solution, the only thing we can do as a culture outside of Christ is direct people to the practical. And so what does our culture do? Our culture looks at the, the, the fact that something is wrong and it says that, that, that it must be caused by something. And of course, we don't want to acknowledge that we might be part of the problem. So we're looking external and we say, well, it must be caused by the, the systems that we live in, a society. And maybe that's true in part. And maybe there are deep brokenness and fractures in society that are systemic. And so we look around and we see things like traditional perspectives and traditional viewpoints. And we say, well, this is limiting people. This, this is keeping people in a box. And again, sometimes that is true. But, but what our culture does, our culture has to come to the conclusion the only way to be free from these systems, the only way to be truly free is to fully embrace yourself and to become fully who you are. 
And that means embracing every part of you, every feeling that you have, every thought that you have. I'm gonna follow these thoughts, I'm gonna follow these feelings, and I'm gonna embrace those things. And when, when I come to the end of that, maybe then I will truly be complete. Maybe this is the answer to the sense of incompletion that I feel. Do you know, the, the Bible says something very different. It says there is something wrong in the world. It's sin. But the, the way that you, you experience completion is actually a spiritual solution, not, not a physical solution. In other words, our hope is in Christ, but the answer is actually to come to the end of yourself. When, when Paul talks about here about living with the death of Christ, that's what he's talking about, putting to death the old me, putting to death the flesh in me that is the sinful part of me that wants to keep coming around. Uh, 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 Romans 12 verse 2 says, says these words. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, friends, the, the world tells us that if we pursue how we feel and how we think, that's when we'll truly be complete. But the Bible actually says it's the opposite. Because when we pursue the desires of the flesh, we're actually going to find ourselves further in sin and further in pain. James uh, 1 verse 12 says this, As blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Friends, I, the, the, the problem is, is that what if your feelings are wrong? What if your thoughts aren't good? What if they're the product, just as the Bible describes here, of the sinful nature? If we indulge every feeling, if we indulge every thought in the pursuit of becoming who we think we really are, what if we actually find ourselves in a place that is even darker? I know from personal experience that my thoughts are not always good. I mean, if you were to count the amount of times that someone has betrayed you, someone has uh, cheated you, someone has lied to you, someone has taken advantage of you, someone has manipulated you, and our thoughts and our feelings and our response to the injustices of this world, we all know that they're not good. <laughs> when we follow through on everything that we feel, we actually find ourselves in a dark place. But because our culture doesn't have a spiritual answer, because our culture doesn't really know how to be free, because it is in bondage, creation itself is under oppression, but it's not oppression from systems and structures and society, it's sin in us, on the inside of us. That's the thing that is keeping us locked down, but the, the Bible tells us that, that the truth will set us free. Where's truth? Truth is in the mind. You see, the mind is the link between our internal world, our spirit, and the physicality, our body. And it's like when we become saved, even as Christians, our spirit becomes alive, but our mind is exactly the same. <laughs> our mind is still programmed and tethered to the old. And so that's why the Bible says we've got to renew our thinking. Because everything that you think might not be good. <laughs> everything that you feel might not be helpful. 
And one of the most tragic things we see taking place in our society today is for a group of mostly young people who are experiencing a disconnection in their human experience, much like described here in scripture, where they perceive and feel like they are in the wrong body. Gender dysphoria. And we need the church to be a voice of compassion and a voice of reason. Because the sad thing is, because our culture doesn't have a spiritual answer, it can only direct to a physical option. But the truth is, is that physical option doesn't work. It's a, a literal scientific impossibility for someone who is male to become female, someone who is female to become male. We see this in scripture where God says, he created the male and female, distinct, different, but both in the image of God. And I, I, it breaks my heart to see that we are encouraging as a society people to make life-altering decisions. We're not just talking about hum hormones or surgery. It's literally on a cellular level, the maleness and the femaleness. Maleness is a spectrum. Femaleness is a spectrum, but they are not spectrums to one another. Men and women are different. <laughs> it's funny that we even have to talk about it, but it's true. They're wonderfully different. They're unique. They're distinct. And, and God put, places so much value on male and so much value on female. They are different just on a physiological level. I mean, gosh, male hearts are actually bigger than female hearts. Uh, our heart rate beats at a lower rate because it doesn't have to work so hard. <laughs> Men have bigger brains than women. Um, but they don't use them as well. <laughs> Women's brains are more efficient than men's brains. And so as we keep exploring and we look at, you know, we look at card the cardiovascular system and we haven't even talked about the wonder of the female body, the ability to create life and to nurture life. We're going to see that male and female are both wonderful things created by God, but they are not the same and yet we are living in 2022 where it is becoming popular and acceptable to say that that is a possibility all at the expense of a person who is having a human experience of feeling disconnected in their reality. Friends, we need to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that what you feel is real. The disconnection you feel is true, but you won't find hope in the physical change. You will find hope in the renewing of your mind and the future spiritual reality that one day there will be no more pain. You see, we have the answer, church. We have hope to share in our world. And we need to be a voice of compassion, but we also need to be a voice of reason. We need to hold fast to the truth. Here's the reality is that not every feeling or thought that you have is healthy, holy, or will make you happy. Happiness is about you, right? Healthiness is, is about how we interact with others and holiness is about our relationship with God. Not every thought that you have is good. Come on, let's be honest for a moment. Not every thought. If you followed every thought that came into your mind, what, what is the relationship? Here's my question for you today. What is the relationship between a thought that you think and, and who you are as in your identity? When, when is it that a thought that we think becomes who we are? Well, that's the point of decision where we actually say, this is how I think, this is how I feel, therefore this is who I am. And I want to suggest that the Bible has an alternative for thoughts and temptations and lusts, things we're talking about sex, and, and greed and anger, and all of those things that human beings as a whole have to process in our human experience, even Christians. 
Even people who look super holy, every single one of us has to deal with these thoughts. Well, the Bible encourages us to renew our minds so that we can test and approve God's perfect will. In other words, if we can, instead of indulging the lowest possible carnal desire on the inside of us, instead, if we actually submit our thoughts and our feelings to God, we will actually experience freedom and hope. And here's the reality is that I've discovered that if I am the judge of what is right and good and pure, I'm a pretty bad judge. <laughs> I tend to, uh, you know, make things work that are going to suit me. So I get pretty annoyed at people who, 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 who do certain things, but I'm fairly gracious on myself on other things. Why? Because I'm distorting according to where my strengths and weaknesses are. But the reality is that every person has different strengths, different weaknesses, different challenges, different crosses to bear, different temptations. And so we are all unique. We are all different. You are not uh, the people group you identify with. You are a human being as an individual and you have, uh, you have individual desires and, and complexities in your heart, maybe from your childhood, maybe from your genetics, maybe from any number of things. But what I know is that, that God gives us an answer. God gives us hope that we can actually renew our minds. We can actually change the way that we think because our identity is not who we think it is. Our identity is defined by God. We've, if we submit ourselves to Christ, we're going to understand that we are children of God and when we submit ourselves to his design we are going to experience the fruit of the spirit self-control love joy patience and peace and isn't that what we're hoping to find at the end of the pursuit of who we are but we don't find who we are by pursuing the flesh we find who we are by crucifying the flesh and we come alive again in Christ so you're not your thoughts friends you're not your worst thoughts. You're who God says you are. But there's no more condemnation in Christ. If you've come to receive Jesus, now we're on a process of redemption. So don't beat yourself up, but let's be honest about the journey that we're on. The first thing we need to do is we need to filter our thoughts and our feelings through the word of God. So we're going to have to read this thing. <laughs> we're going to actually have to read it. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the word. So it's, it's, sometimes we want to just pray about something because we can kind of explain it away, but we're going to find that it should align with what the Bible actually says. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus is the word. And so God has ideas about what is healthy, what is holy, and what is going to make you happy. And you get to decide, as every human being does, do I want to listen to what God says? Or do I want to listen to what I think is good? And we will experience the fruit of whatever we choose. But my prayer for us today is that we would learn that God is good. God loves you. God has your best interests at heart. And so if we can submit ourselves to him, we're, we're going to find that the life is going to go pretty, pretty well for us. So we're going we're to filter our thoughts and our feelings through the word of God. So your thoughts, you're not your thoughts and you're not your feelings. Sometimes thoughts will just come into your mind. You're like, where did that come from? Well, that's just the inclination of, of the, 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 the way the mind has been tethered to the flesh from the past. Just pops out of nowhere. And the fact that we live in this kind of in-between state where we are being redeemed. And so once we know what is good and what is pure and what is helpful, then we can actually begin to take authority over that thought. So when a thought comes into the mind, we can actually say, hang on a minute. I don't want to continue that thought. I'm going to stop it in its tracks and I'm going to take authority over my thought right now. How do we do that? We'd use the word of God. We take the word of God that says that's not a good thought 
or this is different, this is my reality, and we make a declaration. So we might say, hey, I don't want to have that thought. I, I'm, I'm going to keep my mind fixed on Christ. So I choose right now, God, I'm giving you that thought. And, and as Christians, this is the process that we are continually on in every area of our life, with every temptation. Whenever we get angry, God, I thank you for peace in my heart. And right now I choose, God, to let go of the, the, the thirst for revenge. I let go. When, we, when, when something pops into your mind that is lustful, what are you going to do? Just hang in a minute. God, right now, I surrender this thought to you. I choose to invite you. I can do all things for Christ who strengthens me. And so, God, I give you that thought right now. We need to take authority over every thought that does not align with God's perfect will uh, for our lives. And the third thing we need to do is really simple is we, we just need to stand together. We're going to find that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And some people are going to find our struggles really easy. But you're going to find their struggle really easy. And so we need to get together and we need to stand together in community. Uh, maybe one or two friends or people who are close to you. And we need to take the, the opportunity to, to be vulnerable. And this is my prayer, is that we would create a church, not that is perfect, but that is being perfected. Where every single person feels permission to, to share what's going on in the world without judgment, in a place of grace, that we could work together to renew our minds and to grow into the people who Jesus has called, called us to be. Every single human being is going through the same sort of human experience. Different experiences, but the same sense of disconnection, the same sense of lostness, the same sense of guilt, the same sense of condemnation. And yet we have the opportunity church to stand together, to take authority, over our thoughts and to change who we're becoming. And we'll find when we do that in submission and obedience to Christ, we're going to experience life and life to the full. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you today. And I want to really encourage you. Hey, if this is you today and you have some things that you're dealing with in your heart, maybe in your sexuality, maybe in temptations, uh, whatever context you find yourself on, you think, you know what, I, I, I need to actually deal with some stuff that's going on. I want you to know that we're creating a space and a community and we'll do it imperfectly, but we're going to do it where we can actually open up what's going on the inside of our hearts so that we can walk together and become strong in Jesus Christ. And so I'd love to pray for you just as we close today. And God, I thank you for every person watching today. I thank you so much for your care and your love for them. We thank you that your love is not forceful, your love is not judgmental, um, but your love is just and it is true. And so we just choose right now to let your love draw us close to you. We just simply say that we trust you. God, we know that we will find who we really are in you, in your son, Jesus. We won't find it by searching in the depths of the flesh, in the depths of our feelings. God, we're actually going to find that if we can surrender our feelings to you, we're going to experience true life. So I pray for every person right now. In the name of Jesus, God, fill them with hope for tomorrow. And I pray, God, fill our minds with the mind of Christ, we pray in the name of Jesus. Let me just say one thing that I think is important as well, is that this approach to our feelings and our thoughts is not about ignoring or repressing our feelings. And that's really important to note because that has been sometimes a technique that we have employed and the church has maybe suggested, which is not helpful. <laughs> so I want to acknowledge that. You can't just push things down into your subconscious. You can't live a lie. So it's important for us to acknowledge how we feel. 
And uh, you can do that in your time with God. God is not afraid of how you're feeling and what you're experiencing. Um, so you can come to Him. You can share what's going on in your heart. You don't have to hide it. But as it comes to the surface, you then need to let go of those things, let go of those things to God. So we're not repressing our feelings. This is not an unhealthy approach. This is really healthy. We're completely acknowledging, wow, this is where I'm at right now. But God, I choose that I don't want to think like that anymore. I don't want to feel like that anymore. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release temptation. I'm going to purify my heart. I'm going to be holy in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining today. We'll see you guys soon.